Welcome to Parkview. We're glad that you're here. Uh, I'm Tim. I'm a pastor here, and I just want to welcome you uh, to uh, a, a new series. We're doing this, How to Love a Vampire. I just want to tell you, last I don't say this every week, but last week was a uh, really important message for us. If you, didn't, if you weren't here, if you didn't hear last week, I really encourage you to, to go online and listen to it. We welcome our online listeners as well, but I, I want to encourage you to do that because we talked about how there was this Old Testament story about how God was going to send water, and he was going to refresh the people, but if they didn't dig a ditch for it, there wouldn't be any place for it to go. So in other words, you've got to partner with God to make miracles happen in your life. And, and, and so we did last weekend. We, we dug a ditch. We, we had our first regular weekend for our uh, brand new Homer campus and um, just literally almost doubled the size. Here's a picture of the 11 o'clock service. You can see the tan chairs in the back meant that they had to come and bring in extra chairs to the 11 o'clock service. Had a great crowd over there. Way to go, Homer. We're proud of you and the things that are going on over there there. I think we had like 1,800 people more that weekend this last week than we did the year before uh, because we also opened up a sixth service at Orland and uh, very excited about the things that God is doing here. And uh, one thing I want to tell you is we're going to need some more help. You've got this, your next steps card in your bulletin. We still need some more servers. We still need some more people to help us serve communion, especially in kids ministry. We're really going to need help with this. So, uh, so please sign up and just, just do it for three months and help us out. Um, the other thing before I, you know, jump into it is the Matt Forte deal. And we've got cards printed for you uh, because like my friend at the health club said, you know, hey, I don't, I don't have, uh, uh, can I advertise this? And I'm like, yeah, I'll bring these cards over. We'll have them done. So uh, you can do this too. Take some of these cards with you and invite people to come. And we're, kick, we're doing this because there's a lot of people in your life that you would maybe feel weird about inviting to church. But if you've got an excuse like, you know, Matt Forte being here, then it's like, no, this is cool. I want you to come. I want you to be a part of it. I tell you that story. And by the way, he will be here live at this campus on both Saturday nights and all three Sunday mornings. Um, if I were you, I would avoid 1030 like the plague. Okay. So, you know, be, be at the 830 or 1230 if you're gonna do Sunday morning or, or come on Saturday night. But, but the reason is I had, I heard a story just yesterday about a, uh, a, a some people who were at a, at a restaurant and decided to uh, invite their server to a Christmas Eve service. So they gave her the CD, you know, which we had, which was so cool. And they invited her to come. And they didn't, they didn't know her. They just invited her to come. And she, she broke down and wept. Uh, you know, they didn't know, like, they brought something up that they shouldn't have or, or whatever. She said, this is the first time in my life anybody has ever invited me to church. And I'm hoping that she came and I'm hoping that she's here because that's what we're supposed to be about. That's, and I'm sorry if I ever, you know, didn't invite you, but, but those people are out there. We think we're going to offend people by inviting them, but a lot of people are hungry for a relationship with God. So let's talk about vampires. Vampires have been big for, um, you know, a, a, a season here lately. It's been kind of weird because when I was growing up, I mean, old people like me, remember we just had like old black and white Dracula. That was, that was it. We had, we had that guy and, you know, he's on, you know, a sitcom, weird sitcom, you know, back in the day, well, a, a soap opera, I guess I should say. And, and there were some shows about him, you know, and you got to see him every once in a while. Then he became a little more mainstream when they added the count to Sesame Street. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I get it, you know, the count so we can do numbers, but what were they thinking? They got these little stuffed puppets and a blood-sucking monster. How does it, you know, mommy, why does he have big front teeth? We'll, we'll talk about that later, honey. Just count your numbers, okay? Um, 
And then there was also my favorite cereal growing up, Count Chocula. I mean, you know, we, some of you remember, maybe that's still around, I don't know. Along the way, somebody told me high fructose corn syrup with sugar wasn't a healthy breakfast. I don't know. You know, part of the four major food groups, candy, candy cane, candy corn, and Count Chocula. So I, I don't eat it anymore. Maybe they still make it. But over this, the last several years, it made a kind of a comeback. You know, vampires, the whole idea. I think it started with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, and uh, then there was Monster High, and of course, of late, the Twilight movies. Now, I, I can't, I, I know there's a lot of opinion about the Twilight movies. I can't really tell you too much. I only saw one of them, and it was on a plane on the way to Africa in the middle of the night. And I'd already taken my Ambien, but I hadn't fallen asleep, okay? So I thought the movie was super weird, but it might have been the influence of drugs. I, I don't know. Um, I, I do know that a lot of people told me they wish they would have taken drugs before they watched Twilight, but regardless, they've made a comeback. The mythical vampire is a creature that needs to suck the life out of someone else in order to survive, okay? They don't necessarily want to do it. They just don't have any choice. It's the only way they can survive. So let's use that as a metaphor for the people that you know who may be exactly the same way. Props to Pastor Stephen Furtick for coming up with this title. I thought it was brilliant. The truth is, we all have somebody in our life who drains us. Someone who wears us down, nags us, drives us crazy, just sucks the life out of us. So let me help you identify them, all right? Maybe you're in a store and you see them coming down the aisle, so what do you do? You pull out your cell phone and act like you're on the phone. Uh, go ahead, you can laugh because you know you do this too. Oh, oh, hey, how you doing? No, mom, no, I'll be there. Yeah, right, and you just make something up so you don't have to interact with them. Maybe they're a neighbor and, um, you know, they're taking out the trash at the same time as you and all of a sudden you start walking walking faster and you just kind of wave at them and act like you're in a hurry. Maybe it's on social media. Here's what's so weird about vampires. Like we didn't have enough blood-sucking people in our life before. We've now opened up Facebook pages so that billions of them literally have access to our necks. I mean, this is weird. Maybe it's someone at school. Maybe it's someone at the office. When they come around, your blood pressure just goes up. Uh, maybe that's what it is. In management circles, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's, there's often discussions about how do you know when it's time to fire someone? How do you know when it's time to, to say, okay, this is, this is it? Um, one of the signs they tell you is that when you drive into the parking lot and you see their car and you think you don't want to go in because you don't want to be there with them, that's probably time to fire them, okay? And if you're on my staff and you're worried right now, I don't know what kind of car you drive, so you're all good, okay? Well, but what, what, that's not the problem. What if you can't fire them? What if the vampire is your boss? What if the vampire is in three of your classes at school? What if the vampire lives in your home? And you feel bad because you love them, you just have a hard time liking them. During this series, we're going to talk about all of these things, and we're going to have a lot of fun, but we're going to see what God tells us to do about vampires. We're going to admit that getting bit by vampires is painful. And a lot of times we think the answer is just to move away, or that they move away, or that somebody puts a stake through their heart. But what if it was, what if it was possible to live another way? What if that was possible? Let me show you the end result that we're looking for from the Bible and dealing with everybody, okay? Apostle Paul is a follower of Jesus, wrote most of the New Testament. He's writing to the church at Rome. 
where evidently there were plenty of vampires around. There were plenty of people, you know, to, to not get along with because the truth is there's always going to be those people. And here's what he says to them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I know you're like, what the curse is he saying exactly? He doesn't know my ex. He doesn't know my boss. He doesn't know my dad. But here's the goal. Here's the full passage. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Is it possible to live in harmony with a vampire? Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is in the right of everybody. And here we go. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Wouldn't it be great if you could live at peace with everyone? Wouldn't it be great if you could live at peace with the people who drain you? And there's more to this than some apostle singing, let it go, let it go. I mean, it's more than that. It's not just shake it off, shake it off. There's, there's more, and there's practical advice, and we're going to give you that along the way. We're gonna, next week, we're going to get even more practical. So don't miss any of these, okay? But here's the deal. As soon as you move away from one vampire, or they move away from you, or they get a stake through their heart, there's going to be another vampire. The truth is, your life is never going to be free from vampires. Interesting thing about the mythical creature is that they were immortal, right? I mean, there were very few ways they could die. So you're going to have to do whatever you can do, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, to live at peace with everyone. The truth is, we can't change other people, so unless you can get away from those people, and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be boundaries. We'll talk about this, but, but you're never going to be able to change other people. Just, just give up on that, okay? I mean, you're never going to be able to change other people. You can't even change yourself, can you? I mean, I can't. I have a hard time changing myself, and I live with me 24-7, all right? So if I can't change me the way that I want me to be, why do I think I'm going to be able to change somebody else? So what am I going to have to do? I'm going to have to learn how to live at peace. How can I live at peace with a vampire? Well, let me finish my statement. Your life is never going to be free of vampires, but you don't have to let them bite you. That may mean that you stay away from them at night, okay? because they're safe during the day, they're asleep, right? It may mean that you keep a cross in your pocket. It may mean that you have a garlic, you know, necklace. I don't, I don't know what it is. Usually living with vampires is going to mean setting up some boundaries. And this is an important place for us to start. We'll talk more about this in the last week, talk more about how we do this with the people in, the life, in our life who suck the life out of us. But understand something very important. Jesus loved everyone, but Jesus was not a doormat. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. He didn't say, stand there and have fun while they're beating the tar out of you, okay? He said, go the extra mile, not go the extra, you know, 10 miles. And you're going to have to learn to set up some boundaries. Jesus often withdrew from people. You realize this? I'm rereading a, a great book on this subject called Boundaries. If you're looking for something along, along these lines, um, it's just called Boundaries. You'll remember that. It's pretty, pretty simple. And it talked about how he would often get away from people uh, because he needed his own space. He needed to live at peace with them. He needed to have some peace. 
So he would get in a boat and he would go over to the other side of the sea to avoid people. One time, he, he got in a boat going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, knowing that when he got over there, there was going to be a, a, a multiple demon-possessed guy who lived in graveyards who he was going to encounter on the other side. He knew that guy was going to be over there. And I think he said, okay, demons I can deal with. These people are driving me nuts. I'm going over there. And remember when Peter was being dumb to Jesus and saying, oh, Jesus, you're not going to need to die. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. In other words, you're a vampire. You're you're sucking me dry right now. I need to separate myself from you. Okay? This This is not about letting vampires bite you. Maybe you don't necessarily call them Satan, but maybe you secretly unfriend them on Facebook, okay? So you don't have to listen to it. Or maybe you just plain do it. I give you permission. You can set limits. You can change your phone number. You can set boundaries. You can say to the vampires in your life, my job is as far as it is possible, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace with you. And that means that you can't call me three times a day, Mom. Okay? You can say that. We'll talk more about that. But the first principle we have, to, we have to unpack in dealing with vampires has a lot to do with something that I realized as I was going through this message trying to figure out what we were going to talk about. I started making a list of the people who are the, the, the blood-sucking people to me in my life. The people that, you know, and not necessarily a face, but like a, a person, a, a personality that sucks the life out of me. And I just want, I'm going to go through this list and I just want you to, to nod with me if you're in agreement with me. Don't don't shake it too hard if the vampire's sitting next to you right now, but, but just kind of, yeah, yeah, I'm with you, brother. You know, you say amen if you want to, whatever, okay? Here's a list of vampires to me, okay? People who talk a lot and listen a little, okay? Right? Can I get an amen? Yeah, okay. Quit talking, okay? Do- doesn't seem like I ever do enough for them, right? Those people suck the life out of me. How much more do you want me to do? How about people who think their crisis is my crisis, Right? I mean, I, I love you, but, you know, you keep doing the same thing and getting in a crisis. How, how, how come it's always mine? How about the people who are always making withdrawals and never make any deposits, you know? People who don't pull their own weight at school, in a, in a, in a project, at work, whatever. They, you know, they're just, they're, they're just not doing anything, and they expect you to take it, take it up for them. People who complain about all and any small inconveniences in their life. Debbie Downer, Wendy Weiner, those people, you know what I'm talking about? People who drive in the left lane and never move over. Okay, I'll leave driving out. Just, I'll leave driving out. There's too many vampires on the road. Okay, here's, here's the problem that I discovered. Okay, as I typed out this list of what vampires do to me, I started wondering, does anybody else see me that way? Could it be possible that I'm a vampire? Maybe I suck? Is that possible? 
I mean, the, the author of Dilbert says everybody is somebody's weirdo, so I changed it to everybody is somebody else's vampire. I believe that's, po- I believe that's true. Here's the main point. Loving people, loving the people who suck the life out of you starts with realizing how much you suck too, okay? Let's just agree with this. We all suck the life out of people. I know I'm a vampire to other people. In fact, during this sermon, as you're sitting there thinking, boy, I sure hope fill in the blank is here this weekend because they really need to hear this sermon. Somebody's thinking that about you. So I'm glad you're here. I know this. I know this because I suck the life out of me too. Don't you just sometimes get sick of yourself? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? I mean, if you don't, the Apostle Paul did. We, we back up in Romans, back to Romans chapter 7. He says, I don't really understand myself. Remember, this is the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, okay? Probably way higher up on the close to Jesus scale than any of the rest of us. He said, I don't understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't. Instead, I do what I hate. I'm my own vampire. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Again, the Apostle Paul said that, all right? I can't expect to change other people because I have a hard enough time changing myself. And I'm the one who spends every day with me, okay? I'm not saying that we can't change. I have changed. I'm less of a vampire now than I used to be, thanks to Jesus. And we'll talk about that at the end, but you you can be too. I I want you to know that. We have a a new thing that we're doing this winter called Grow University, where we're going to offer a whole lot of different classes, both campuses. We'd love to have you come, sign up, and jump into it. Go on the the website and check out all the things that we've got going on. Because you can grow. You should be growing. That's a part of of maturing and becoming like Christ, and that's discipleship, and that's what we want to have happen. But, but, But just remember that before we go figuring out how to deal with vampires, it's very important for us to realize that we aren't perfect either. Jesus actually addresses this in his longest sermon in the Bible. Sermon on the Mount. He gets to chapter 7, and he says, Do not judge others, for you will not, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. All right, now, up front, I just need to admit to you that probably this is the most misused and misinterpreted scripture in the Bible. Like when your 16-year-old daughter comes and says, uh, I got a date, and you, and you, and you say, well, um, who do you have a date with? Well, it's this 24-year-old a guy, goes by the name of Diablo, has <laughs> Satan tattooed on his forehead, and you say, oh, no, you didn't. No, you're not, you're not going out with Diablo. And she says, oh, well, the Bible says not to judge, okay? She's wrong. She's just wrong, okay? Because other places in the Bible, it says bad company corrupts good morals. And later on in this passage, it says a tree is judged by its fruit. So if you see bad fruit, you see a bad tree. It's okay to be a fruit inspector, okay? It's okay to say, listen, sweetheart, daddy's not judging, okay? I don't care what Diablo does or who he does it with. It just ain't going to be you, all right? You with me? 
Because I believe the difference here is judging is about motives. I'm making a judgment call about somebody's heart. And I don't want to judge Diablo's heart. I don't want to judge a vampire's heart. I don't want to judge anyone else's heart. I'm not going to judge their heart, but I can look at their fruit. I can look at their behavior. And what happens to us a lot of times is instead of confronting behavior, we start to condemn their hearts. And that's because we forget that we are in the same boat as them. That's what judging is. Jesus goes on and he says, Why are you worried about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? This is Jesus being sarcastic with a sense of humor, okay? How can you think of saying to your friend, Oh, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? How are you going to do that? It's sticking out, right? It reminds me of a video I saw a while back. What Jesus is saying is the place for me to start is the nail in my own head, or the log in my own eye. Because seriously, I have to hold my head sideways to even look at the sawdust in your eye. It's like me reading my iPhone with my bifocal contacts. You know, I got to read it like this. I'm moving around all the time. Why? Because I can't look at you because I got a log in my own eye. So Jesus says, before you go judging the motives and the hearts of the vampires in your life, before you start judging them, take a good look at your own issues. Otherwise, you will be what he goes on, the word he goes on to use, which is a word we hate, but he calls us this, hypocrite. Hypocrite. First, Get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. It's, it's not that we shouldn't be a friend and shouldn't help each other, but we're a hypocrite if we don't look at ourselves first, okay? The, the, the word hypocrite came from a theater term. It meant to wear multiple masks. So you're, you're covering up all the stuff that's going on in your life. You know, you got your church mask on today, and you'll have your family mask on later, and your work mask on tomorrow. You got all your masks on. That's a hypocrite. If you're covering over your stuff, trying to help your friends. And what I've noticed is that people who are hypercritical are usually hypocritical. And a lot of times, I'm hiding this stuff in my own, of my own life when I'm judging the vampires in mine. And so there's an antidote to this, and it doesn't involve garlic or steaks at all. It's really pretty simple. First thing we need to do is to put down the magnifying glass, okay? Most of us are, are really good at staring deeply into the life of people that drive us nuts. And we start to try to pick them apart and try to figure out why they are the way they are. And, and, and think about the, all the time we spend talking and thinking about the vampires in our life. If they would have just done this, I hate it when they, they always, right? And we put a lot of mental energy into that. We make statements to kind of pass it off like, well, I don't mean to be rude, or I know I've got my problems, but, or I'm sure I'm to blame also, but. And all this does is perpetuate the bite wounds that we have. Jesus says, stop working on the speck in somebody else's eye. And look at the log in your own. Make it a conscious decision to put down the magnifying glass and <clears throat> pick up the mirror. Pick up the mirror. Once you realize that, that you're a vampire too and that you suck the life out of other people, it'll make it a lot easier for you to live at peace with everyone. As far as it is possible with you, much as it depends on you, to live at peace. Once you realize you're no superhero either, and you're not Van Helsing, you're not out trying to slay all the vampires, that's when humility comes in. 
That's when knowing and owning who you are can free you up to begin to learn how to help them and how to live at peace with them. Because you realize that the same Jesus who loves you in your dysfunction wants to do the same for everybody else. And he also wants to love people through you. And that's super important. Usually the things that bother me and other people are things I know I have a problem with myself. So I got to put down the magnifying glass, pick up the mirror, and then this important point that we talk about a lot here at Parkview. Remember that vampires are God's children too. That person who is such a pain to me, who may be a loser in my eyes, is of infinite value to the God of the universe. Jesus made it very clear that he has a soft spot in his heart for vampires. He said, it is not the healthy who need the sick, it's a doctor. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. That's what he said right there. Now, whatever that is. Not the healthy who need the, the, the doctor. I mean, why would a doctor be here, right? Only for sick people. I've not come to call the righteous, but vampires, right? That's, that's who I came for, right? Even as he's hanging on the cross, as he's hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive these vampires, for they don't know what they're doing. You understand? I mean, they're literally draining the blood from the Son of God, and he looks down at the soldiers who are gambling for his clothing and the Pharisees who are mocking him, saying, if he's really the Messiah, see if he can save himself. What a bunch of vampires. That's exactly who they are. But they mattered enough to God that Jesus was willing to give his life to pay for their sins. Everybody is made in the image of God. Every human being is made in the image of God, even the people you don't like. I have a friend who has Imago Dei tattooed on his wrist right there. Imago Dei is the Latin for image of God. And the reason he did that is because he said, whenever I reach out to shake someone's hand, I want one last reminder that that person is made in the image of God. And my friend is not the kind of person who would do this, but I suppose that would also mean that whenever you stuck your hand up to make an obscene gesture at someone, read between the lines, you would be able to look at your hand and go, oops, I'm flipping off the image of God. That's not going to work very well, is it, right? Because if we choose not to love others, even though they have the tarnished image of God in their life, then we're refusing to love God. It's hard for you to impress me as a father when you're being mean to one of my children at the same time. So look, we're, we're, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about, again, setting up boundaries, how to learn to forgive, how to learn to live with the people in our life that suck the life out of us. But it's got to start here. It's got to start with realizing that not only do I suck the life out of other people also, but I cost the Son of God his life. If none of the other vampires that ever existed were alive today, Jesus would have still had to die for me. His blood still needed to cover my sin. So one way or another, I'm a vampire too. You remember the passage that we read earlier, and I don't want to leave that out. Paul, Paul's like, man, I don't do what I'm supposed to do, and I'm a miserable person. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? I hate it. I hate this. Then he goes on, the next verse, the clincher is, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, the more I look in the mirror, the more grateful I am for the cross. 
Thanks be to God for him allowing his son to die for me because I'm a vampire and I needed the blood of Jesus. We're going to do this together as we take communion right now. Let's pray. Lord, <clears throat> I love that we do communion every week here. And um, I know a lot of churches don't. And that's, that's fine. That's their deal. Maybe they're better than we are. We're all a bunch of vampires. We're all, we're all a bunch of sinners. We're all a bunch of people who agree with the Apostle Paul that at the end of the day, there's a whole lot of good things I wish I would have done and a whole lot of bad things that I wish I wouldn't have. And thanks be to God for his indescribable gift of his one and only son so that whoever believes in him, possibly even those Roman soldiers that looked up and said, maybe this guy was the son of God. Maybe some of those religious leaders Certainly some of that crowd that yelled crucify him, they could be saved because Jesus was willing to give his life for them. And if he could look down from the cross and say that, then, then maybe as I'm thinking about the people in my life who drive me crazy, I can do a little bit more as much as it depends on me to live at peace with them. As we take communion, Lord, right now, it's a good chance for us to look in the mirror and um, pray that you'll be with us as we do that. Please help everyone in this audience know that they are not too bad to take communion right now because we're all in the same category. I think the Apostle Paul just made that clear. That's why we need Jesus. And Lord, as we do a little mirror looking during this communion time right now, um, also give us pause. And help us think of that, that vampire person in our mind that, that is the person that sucks the life out of us more than anybody else. And help us as we hold this bread and this cup in our hands to remember that they're your children too. That they were made in the image of God too. That'll be a great place for us to start. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.